Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. Many people are wondering whether or not they should buy an Apple Watch, and if they bought one, would they even have a use for it? On today's episode of Eyes on Success, we'll speak with Alex Hall, one of the editors for Apple Viz, about his experience with the Apple Watch and how he has taken control of his house using Apple's HomeKit. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Alex Hall. The Apple Watch does a lot of fitness stuff, but it can also do some pretty interesting health-related things that you wouldn't necessarily think about. First of all, it's tracking your heart rate. It does that every 10 minutes during a workout. I think it does it every minute. But what that means, because it syncs back to your phone, is that you essentially have a constant graph of your heart data for all the time you're wearing the watch, which for me is all the time unless I'm sleeping. So even though it might not be useful um, to most people, if you need that kind of constant heart rate tracking and you want, you know, an actual smartwatch anyway, it's a perfect option. And you can see that you can pull it up through your phone and go through there. There are apps for sleep tracking to figure out how well you've slept. There are a lot of different things that you can do with the watch. If you press and hold the side button, you can have it automatically call whatever the emergency number is in your country. And when it does that, if you've set it up, it will also display what's called your medical ID. And you set that up on your phone. It lists your gender, age, any medical conditions, any medicines you're on. It's sort of like having an automated uh, medical bracelet, essentially. But it can also dial 911 for you if you need it to. So there's, there's just some really interesting health things. I know I'm missing other ones, but it does a lot of health stuff that you might not think of and that even if you don't necessarily need are kind of cool to have. And if you do need them because of, you know, maybe you have some kind of condition or other, then why not, you know, get something that's also accessible and fits into your other Apple devices really nicely. So those are just a few functions that the Apple Watch can perform for you, but we'll be talking in detail about a few more things that the Apple Watch can do and how Alex has managed to integrate the watch into his life and even working some of the devices in his home. Let's start by meeting Alex and learning about his uses of technology in addition to the Apple Watch and HomeKit. My name is Alex Hall. I live in the Northeast U.S. I am somewhere around 30-ish. Um, I've been using technology since, oh, fifth grade. I think my first device was a Braille and Speak. I used one of those. I went from that to a Braille Note all the way up through the Braille Note line to the Apex, and then started using Apple products kind of halfway through college, 2009 or 10 or so, and slowly, slowly transitioned into fully using Apple devices. And what do you do these days? Uh, now I'm working for a local company. I do IT for them. I do database work. I build some internal web applications. Um, I maintain our shipping software scripting stuff. I just kind of do a bunch of different technology-related things as they need them. That's a full-time job. I'm still also teaching assistive technology part-time, mostly on the weekends. And that is pretty much me in a very small nutshell. So I gather you've been blind since you were fairly young. You said you started using Braille devices in fifth grade? 
Yeah, I was uh, born visually impaired. I have Leber's congenital amaurosis. So basically that means a lot of the cells in my retinas don't work correctly. So I have full visual fields, but very, very blurry vision. I can see light sources, large, high contrast objects. Um, I can't reprint at all. I like to say that I can see if a computer screen is on or off, but not anything that's actually on the screen if it's on. So I'm a Braille user, cane, guide dog, uh, speech, all the, the usual things. I don't use magnification at all, nothing like that. So I first came across you on the AppleViz website, and it has lots of information about people using iOS and Mac devices. Can you talk a little bit about AppleViz and what your role in AppleViz is? Definitely. Um, I started with AppleViz sometime late in 2012, I want to say. Um, I'm on their editorial team, which basically means that myself and the other members of the team do everything from site maintenance to making sure that information is accurate. Uh, we do a lot of beta testing to find and compile our lists of bugs. AppleVis generally is a website that provides information specific to blind and visually impaired users of Apple devices. We have everything from Apple Watch to Apple TV, iPhone, Mac, iPad and iPod Touch, sometimes even accessories like AirPods, um, different things like that that Apple might make. And essentially, it's an information website, but it's geared specifically toward those who need to use VoiceOver. So we've got guides on, you know, how is this application laid out? Or does this app I want to download work with the device that I'm using? We offer app reviews uh, from actual users. But what the site is, is a place for people to share their knowledge and their experience and their information with each other. The forums are a great place to go if you just have a question. We just do a, a lot of different things, all centered on helping anyone who needs voiceover use their device a little bit better, a little bit more efficiently, and with more confidence. And I encourage people to go there. It is a very useful site. I've used it lots and shared information both ways. And if you work with an iOS device or a Mac device, check it out. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 This week's focus topic is the Apple Watch and HomeKit and how Alex is able to control everything using just voiceover. We've done lots of shows about iPhones, the use of iPhones, different apps, and we've compared Android and iPhone devices, but we've never talked about the Apple Watch, and you've used that quite extensively, and also some of their HomeKit devices. Yes. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what kind of uses you make for the Apple Watch, and then we can move on to some of the HomeKit devices. Sure. Uh, the Apple Watch I got about two years ago, and I've had one ever since. I upgraded to the Series 2 last May. And mostly what I use it for is a combination of uh, getting notifications without having to pull out my phone, which in some cases is a lot easier as I said, I'm in the Northeast, so it gets cold here. So if I'm all bundled up and everything and my phone's in an inner pocket somewhere, all I've got to do is raise my wrist and touch the screen and I can hear what whatever the message said or the Twitter notification, whatever it was. So I use it that way. Um, a lot, though, of what I use it for is fitness. Can you elaborate on how you use it for fitness? So it tracks your movement throughout the day, how many calories you've burned. It tracks your exercise, which is uh, the time that your heart rate is above a certain level, and it tracks how many hours during the day during which you've stood for at least one minute. 
of that hour. So those are your three goals, your three big fitness metrics. And it fills in rings. And voiceover will tell you, you know, move goal 54%, standing 75%, whatever it is. And uh, I try to fill those rings. That's basically the goal. And there are a bunch of different workout types you can track on there. During the week, I go to the YMCA here. So I do the stair stepper. I do uh, weight machines. And on the weekends, I go back to the Y and I swim. And the Series 2 so, uh, fully supports swimming workouts. So I can track that as well. And it's a really nice way for me to see how am I doing? How's my fitness doing? You know, have I burned enough calories today? Have I been active enough? Have I done what I need to do to try to keep myself more or less healthy? I mean, I work in IT, so I'm behind a desk all day, but I do what I can. And the Apple Watch is a huge part of that. It really helps to make sure that I'm more or less on track as much as I can be. It sounds like you use the watch quite a bit to track your fitness progress. What else do you use the watch for? The Apple Watch is good for a lot of other uses as well. Um, anything from, you mentioned HomeKit earlier. I do uh, use that with HomeKit a lot. It has Siri on it. It has a lot of different features. And depending on who you are and what you're doing with it, you'll find your own use cases. But it's a really handy device to have. I like to say that it's not essential to have one. But once you have one, you'd be really sad if you didn't have it anymore. Well, I think that's the question that many people have, right? I mean, it doesn't sound like it's absolutely essential, but it sure sounds like it's been a real convenience for you. But, you know, mm -hmm. people must think about considering the price. Do I really need that in addition to my phone? And how will I really make use of it? it there's a little uncertainty there before you purchase the device. What got you over the hump of purchasing one? Well, when I went to look at them, I went to Best Buy to look. Uh, they had an open box deal. So I thought, you know what? I love Apple stuff. I've heard a lot about this thing. Let's give it a shot. So I got it. I figured if I don't like it after two weeks, I can bring it back. No harm done. Well, I think that was also nice being able to go to Best Buy and check it out for two weeks to yes. see if you were going to make use of it, if you could use it, if it was handy, etc. That was what got all of us into it because uh, each member of my family, there are three of us, so we each tried it for you know three or four days uh, to see what we thought. And then slowly over the next few months, each one of us ended up getting our own. We all now have Apple Watches, and all of us have never regretted that. Um, you know, there hasn't ever been a time, oh, did I waste my 250 or $300? You know, there's never been that thought at all. We all love them. Well, that's great. So you said you upgraded from the first version to the version two of the watch. What was the incentive there? What were the differences you were looking for? Mostly it was the swimming tracking. I used to swim when I was in grade school on a team, and then in college, I swam just for my, my own fitness myself. I wasn't on a team there. And I've always loved swimming. And finally, after working for a year or so, um, I redid my schedule a bit. I moved some things around, figured some things out. And I was able to start going back to the Y where they have open swim right after my work gets out anyway. So that worked out really well. And I started swimming there. And I wanted a way to track those swimming workouts. You know, I didn't want to go and, and kill myself for 45 minutes in the pool and not get any calories burned um, on my health app for that. You want some visible credit for that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If I'm going to do that, I want to get the credit for it. So I went to the Series 2, which was the first watch that Apple released that had the waterproofing and the swim tracking and all that. And uh, that's been really good so far. So obviously, if you're swimming with the watch, it doesn't always need to be tied to the phone being nearby. But for some of the functions, you do need the phone to be nearby, right? 
You do. That's It got a little bit trickier with the Series 3 cellular because that can actually talk to a cell network on its own. So the waters are a little bit muddier now. Oh, swimming waters, no pun intended there. <laughs> but, so for the, the watch to work, most of the time you do need a phone nearby if you want to do anything that requires the phone to access the web. So if you want to get a text or if you want to use Siri, because of course Siri sends it out to a server, it doesn't process your speech on its own. If you want to do things like that, then yes, you'd need a phone to be sort of nearby. Uh, there's a way to, to get it onto a Wi-Fi network and you don't necessarily need a phone, but for the most part, you do need that phone. If you get the Series 3 cellular, you don't as much. You can actually just use it on the cell network. It's a hit to your battery, but you can do it which is one of the big draws. You know, you don't need to be tethered to a phone all the time. But if you're doing a workout, if you're doing something that doesn't need remote uh, access, then you don't need the phone. And then next time you're in range of your phone, the, the watch will automatically push all its data back to the phone and tell it, hey, we just did a workout. Here's the, the details. And then the phone has it. And of course, then that gets synced over iCloud. And so it's on all your devices. But that's essentially how it works, is if you need remote access, you need the phone. If you're doing something local, you don't need it. A number of these features you've talked about using either speech input or speech output, do you need to use it with a Bluetooth earpiece, or can you listen to it and speak to it directly? You can do both. Um, you can use it with Bluetooth earphones, and if you do that, then you have the option of playing back music. On its own, though, it has a built-in speaker and a built-in microphone and they don't get super loud. I've heard a, a few people with even mild hearing loss say that it's hard to hear what the watch is saying, but it's more than loud enough uh, for myself. You don't have quite as much luck, though, if you've been swimming because the, you know, the microphone and the speaker are full of water still. And there's a feature that tries to expel as much water as it can, but it doesn't get at all. So every time I come out of the pool, the speech is very muffled and it's a lot harder to hear. So you kind of have to, to deal with that. But for the most part, the built-in speaker does reasonably well. And if it doesn't, then yes, you do have the option of Bluetooth audio. And you talked about the convenience of having your watch to check text messages and notifications without actually pulling your phone out of your pocket. Can you actually use it as a phone and make a call from there or receive a call from your watch without taking the phone out of your pocket? Yes. And that's, again, you have to have the, the phone nearby or have a cellular watch, but you absolutely can make calls. You can receive calls. You can do all the, the things that you'd expect except for typing in numbers. So if you're somewhere and, and you have to enter, you know, press one to do this, you can't press one to do that. That needs a phone, but anything else uh, you can do on the watch. Nice. Now, I guess this must integrate pretty well with some of your Apple Home devices. Can you talk a little bit about which devices you use that connect with your watch and your phone that you find helpful? Yeah. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know, HomeKit is basically a platform that lets you automate your home. So you could turn lights on or off or change the lights color or, you know, turn an outlet on. There's temperature. There's a whole bunch of different sensors you can hook up, remote buttons, and you can automate all this stuff. So what we've got is a bunch of outlets, smart outlets around the house. We've got a few smart bulbs. We have a temperature sensor. We will have a button as soon as it arrives from Amazon. They just told me it was delayed. It's a physical button. Literally, that's all it is, is a button. But it means you don't have to pull out your phone to turn on the light. You can just press a physical button. We have all this stuff kind of wired up around the house, and, and we do a, f a few fun things with it. Uh, for instance, an hour before sunset, the two lamps in the living room will come on, 
if it's nighttime and I get home, the light in my room will come on. As soon as we get everything else set up, we're going to have an automation so that in one of the rooms here, it gets really cold for some reason. We're not sure why, but we have a space heater in there. So what I'm going to do is put the HomeKit-enabled temperature sensor in there, and if it drops below a certain temperature, turn on a smart outlet, which will in turn turn on the space heater for a set amount of time, and it'll just keep doing that, which should uh, keep that at a reasonable temperature. We've got a smart thermostat, so any one of us in the house can just use our phone or our watch to set the temperature for the thermostat if it's you know too warm or too cold, or just to, to see what the thermostat is set to and the ambient temperature in that same room. Uh, we have a smart lock, which is really nice. So when I get home, I just say, Siri, unlock the front door, and it just does it. And by the time I get to the front door, it's already unlocked and ready to go. And then when we close the door, there's a contact sensor on the inside. When the door is closed again, the sensor trips and the lock relocks itself. So there's a, a whole lot of fun stuff that you can do with this, and you can see how you can adapt it to your own house, your own situation. That is a whole lot of different functions. How much of that can you control through the watch? The watch through Siri can handle all of this. There's a home app on the watch which shows any favorited devices unless you control them. Um, I've, I've done that before. I've just laid in bed with my watch on and, you know, I woke up cause it was too hot. So I just turned the temperature down, even though the thermostat's in the other room. So there's a lot of fun stuff there. It's kind of like the Apple watch in a way though, this home kit stuff, it's not essential, but once you have it, it's just really fun to play with and it's really convenient and it makes your life that much easier. Are the rest of the people in your house also technophiles or are they just humoring you? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, neither one of them are as into computers and technology as I am, certainly. I'm definitely alone there. I tell them what they want, and then they realize I was right. So, <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah. No. <laughs> when I first got the outlets for the lamps in the living room, for instance, they were like, yeah, whatever, Alex. You, you do you, buddy. Okay, whatever. And now they just love that no one has to turn the lights on. They just come on on their own automatically, and it's great. Uh, the smart lock is the best thing ever. Everyone loves that, even though no one could quite get behind. Why would we need a lock You know that unlocks itself? A key is so much better. It's easier. And I talked them into it, and they were like, yeah, okay, that does sound kind of cool. Let's try it. And now it's just wonderful, and we're going to probably get one for the back door. How hard is it to set up the HomeKit devices? You don't have to know a whole lot about technology to use this stuff. To set it up, it does take a little bit more patience, and you might have to you know, visit YouTube or Google to figure out exactly what you're doing, especially for some of the automation stuff. But you know, overall, once it's set up, it's really simple to use, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, too. Well, as you say, a lot of these devices certainly are not essential. I remember when we bought our first smartphones, we were quite content with our flip phones. They served all the purposes we needed to do with them. But once we got our smartphones, boy, you almost feel naked if you leave the house without it. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, especially now that, you know, your smartphone, uh, for us at least, has kind of turned into our front door key. You know, so <laughs> right. the more you rely on this stuff, it's Don't leave uh, home without really it. Interesting. Yeah. That raises an interesting point. You said you just approach your front door, you say, Siri, open the door. Mm -hmm. I assume the lock is smart enough that it only listens to specific devices with which it's already paired. 
Yes. Yeah, it's got its own app. And all these HomeKit devices come with their own apps made by the company that manufactures that particular device, uh, which is a little bit annoying because sometimes the apps are not accessible at all. But once you get them into HomeKit, then you've got control of them from one central hub, which is accessible. We have an August lock. It's spelled exactly like the month of the year, August. Um, Using that app, you can grant temporary or permanent access. So the three of us in the house, of course, have permanent admin access. We can all change any settings we want, all that stuff. But we've also got a, a few friends that come over, and they are guests. So they can unlock the door, but we're notified when they do. And at any point, any one of us could revoke their access. And as soon as we would do that, they could not unlock that door anymore. So we talked about, you know, it's pretty easy to set up these devices, although it takes a little patience, especially the first time through. But there are so many different smart devices and companies doing these things, you know, like between Google and the Alexa devices and the Apple HomeKit. How compatible are all these? When we're looking for a device to, say, control our thermostat or to turn on the lights, do we have to look for something specifically Apple? Or what do we look for? You look for... The description of the item, and and I get all these through Amazon, Uh, so, you know, find the description wherever you are, but the description of the item nearly always says what it's compatible with. It'll say, you know, works with HomeKit, Google Assistant, or sometimes it'll just say Google and Alexa. That's basically all it, it has to say. If it says it works with Apple, I wouldn't necessarily trust it. I only trust the ones that say it works with HomeKit because works with Apple could just mean they have an app that you have to open to use it every single time. It doesn't necessarily mean what you think it might. So they'll always list what they're compatible with. And for the most part, the devices nowadays tend to be compatible with everything. You know, you'll get one and it works with all your stuff. So you can have a device that will work both with an iPhone and an Alexa device. Yes. Pretty much all of ours work with our, I can't say uh, her name because she's right there, but our Amazon Echo products um, and HomeKit. I don't actually have them set up for the Echoes simply because Apple's HomeKit tends to be more secure and uh, I don't necessarily trust the other ones quite as much, but that's an entirely personal decision, and I fully acknowledge that I am very probably being quite paranoid about that. But uh, almost any device you get these days is probably going to work with Google and Alexa. I always said the name. Hopefully it ignores me. And possibly HomeKit, but look for HomeKit specifically. That tends to be the limiting factor. We don't actually have one of these smart speakers ourselves, but we've helped a number of friends set up their Alexa devices. And the very first one, we were all done setting it up. And I don't know what came over Pete, but he turned to the thing and he said, Alexa, set an alarm for 4.30 (laughs) a.m. And she said, okay. (laughs) That's mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, took about half an hour to figure out how to undo it. It sounds like you make some great use of these devices and have them all integrated through your watch and your Apple phone. And it sounds like it works out wonderfully for you and your household members. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, it does. Of course, it's a computer, so things can occasionally go wrong. And I'll get a random text. Hey, Alex, why didn't the lights come on at 430? They're supposed to. What's going on? But, you know, 99% of the time it works great.
Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about the Apple Watch, the Apple HomeKit, and Apple Viz, as well as how to reach Alex Hall directly. We talked a little bit about Apple Viz. I was wondering if you could give us the website of that and tell people where to go and what's there. Sure. It's uh, www, of course, dot Apple, spelled just like the fruit and the, the computer company, vis.com. And there you'll find, as I mentioned, we've got podcasts, blog posts, guides and tutorials, forums, app entries for all four platforms, uh, tvOS, macOS, iOS, and watchOS. And you'll also find product reviews uh, for different things, keyboards, speakers, headphones, cases, all sorts of different things that our members have tried out and want to tell other people about. Are there any other resources that you would recommend for people who use Apple devices? There are other websites, certainly. I don't know them all off the top of my head. Uh, Mac for the Blind comes to mind as, as one option. I know that's been around a lot. Uh, but honestly, what I use a lot are email lists. And I know they're kind of passe nowadays. The world seems to be going to forums and social media. But I find email lists to be really useful and a really easy way of interacting with other people. So I use Mac Visionaries, M-A-C, just like a Mac, and then Visionaries, just how it sounds. And if you just Google that, you should find it. I'm trying to think. I think it's at Google Groups. Uh, but wherever it is, Google should, should find it for you. Uh, that's a really good resource. A lot of really knowledgeable people there. And there are other email lists that do similar things. If you just, you know, search for blind Apple email lists, you'll probably find several or voiceover email lists, things like that. But uh, I'm a huge fan of the email list, so I just wanted to make sure to plug those as well. I know Apple Viz is very active in social media. Can you tell people how to find it there? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's just at Apple Viz, spelled exactly like the website. That's our main account. You could also follow Apple Viz XL. And that will post any updates to forums or basically everything. It's a much, much more active account, and it's it's entirely automated. Uh, but if you want to see forum replies or if you want to track things like that, then you should follow that. Um, I should mention, too, that if you post a forum or a blog or a whatever and you want to get notifications of comments, you can do that right through the website. There's a way to to get emails whenever anyone interacts with your stuff on the website. If anybody wants to contact you directly, is that okay? And if so, how would they do that? Uh, Twitter is probably the best way for that as well. Uh, my username is very weird and was chosen a very long time ago. Um, so sorry to screen reader users because it sounds odd. But it is at M-E-H-G-C-A-P. Bit of a long story behind that, but uh, that's kind of what it's been and I can't change it now. <laughs> And if you'd like to find out more about Apple Viz, about the Apple Watch, some of the HomeKit devices, you'll find all the information and contact information we talked about in our show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 1814. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about the Oregon Adaptive Sports Organization. There are many opportunities for the disabled to participate in a variety of sports and recreational activities these days. We'll speak with Nancy Stevens of Oregon Adaptive Sports about how their program got started and what they do. Whether you're interested in skiing, cycling, kayaking, or whatever, there is something for you. 
If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.